Delivery by 319. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Full house uh, in studio right now to welcome our next guest, who you no doubt remember from, uh, well, his uh, many, many years of service at ESPN, where he still works to this day. But Slayer fan extraordinaire, John Clayton, uh, joining us right now. And favorite son of Braddock, PA, where you were honored with your own day yesterday. Yeah, I got a Sunday. How about that? That's pretty awesome. Beautiful. All right. So first of all, welcome. Thank it's you. Great to see you. And uh, congratulations on getting your own day. How did that go down? I was stunned. I mean, what ended up happening is Mike Denunzio, who lived right down the street from me on Camp Avenue in Braddock, said, hey, can you come over? We had a few people want to see you. And this was, of course, I had no idea mm-hmm. this was going to be a surprise. So they dug up 30 mm. people that either I was, you know, pretty much going to school with or growing up with. And so they were all there in Braddock. And it was just fantastic being able to see them. And then right toward the end, they came over and they gave, read the plaque and all that stuff and said that uh, the day has been named after me. And it's like the, the mayor said, you know, John Fetterman, it's like, uh, we would have given you the keys to the city, but somebody stole the keys. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, it was, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, how like how markedly different is the Braddock of today from the one you grew up in? Uh, well, it wasn't great back then. Uh, at least back then, I think we were number one in violent crime. Oh, okay. It's like, you know, so at least he had a good rating. But right. I was just stunned how many, <laughs> how many buildings have been you know torn down on Braddock Avenue, mm-hmm. and because again, so many businesses have, are gone from there because it used to be uh, everything was so busy because there were so mm-hmm. many you know great stores and all that. Then you know everything, everybody started moving out. But I guess now it's kind of a, a little bit of a resurgence because you know some people are starting to move back they're starting to do some more things so it's getting to be more positive because i guess once they were down to like 2200 people in braddock i mean it was getting bad but it looks like it's starting to rebound oh, yeah. a little bit a little and it was great to get back uh you of course years of service here in pittsburgh too yeah. right now on the steelers beat uh, should be noted tonight point park university you're uh, going to be at the talkback series right uh which is now, did you go to point park no i went to duquesne duquesne okay uh this is going to be held at the point park university pittsburgh playhouse in oakland 7 p.m and you're going to be talking about your career where did it start what was the first real gig you had well the first real gig was in 1972 <laughs> Uh, I was writing for the St. Mary's Daily Press because what happened, I went up there in the summertime and then was writing all the stuff during the summer when everybody's on vacation. I'm doing mm-hmm. all the softball games and uh, all the different stuff like that. And so I was able to get a press pass that Dan Rooney and Joe Gordon approved. And so I would send two stories a week. You know, again, I, was, I was at Churchill High School still being a student and also you know, going down there for the press conferences. No kidding? Yeah, going to the games and all that. And, of course, uh, the great part was that uh, you, know, you, you have to be objective. You can't be a fan when you're doing this stuff. And so uh, here's the immaculate reception. We're down in the auxiliary press box, <laughs> and it's all coming down right toward me. And, you know, you got a few writers who are fans that are in the auxiliary press box. They're standing up and cheering when Franco's coming toward the end zone. I turn around to the PR guy from the National Football League, hey, I got to see a replay. That's an illegal catch. And they're like, what? Are you kidding? Because, again, you know, the idea yeah. is to be objective in this stuff. And even though it wouldn't have helped the Steelers if they would have said it was an illegal catch, uh, I, that's the first thing I needed to find out and see if right. it was. But, uh, yeah, so I started doing that. And then in the press box, I met uh, Dick Overdorf, who was a play-by-play announcer for the Pittsburgh Condors, the basketball team. And so wow. then he had me do the stats on the home games for the Condors. So one thing led to another, and then I was going to go to Syracuse, got a scholarship there. New house. Yeah, but then what happened was I'm thinking, no, wait a second. 
why do I want to leave Pittsburgh? Because here's all these freelance opportunities that I can at least go to school, right. go to Duquesne, and be able to continue. So I had 25 jobs when I was at Duquesne. <laughs> 25. Wow. 25 jobs. I was the main uh, stringer for AP Radio because I'd go to games and get interviews and then do live reports. I was doing sporting news stuff when I was 19 years old. I was doing some SI stuff. So you were the Cameron Crow of the of the sports world. Yeah. You were the yeah. almost famous except Pittsburgh sports. Yeah, and I, like I and I worked at the you know, I did stuff for the Beaver County Times, the Pittsburgh Press, and so I had like 25 jobs through college. And then once I got to my uh, senior year. Jeff Samuels came walking over to me, who was a writer for the Pittsburgh Press, and says, hey, this is in January. They said, they're going to hire you. I said, really? That's good. What job? Because I didn't apply. And so they hired me to work the overnight desk editing and also covering pit basketball. So, you know, here I was, like I would come over to Duquesne after, you know, being up all night and, you know, catch a class at 8 or 9 o'clock, try to stay awake, which I didn't, you know, probably falling asleep in the back of the room. But, I mean, it was just great to be able to have the opportunity. So when did I start? It was technically 1972. Before that, you know, uh, at Churchill, I was doing the PA for the uh, basketball games. I was writing for the school newspaper. I was doing the PA for the football games. You paid your dues. Yeah. You did it all. Yeah. So now tonight. Before we get too far from the, what was it like covering Dr. J with the condors? What's that? Oh, it was great. (laughs) Well, no, it it was because, you know, Bubby Brister was there and it was like, it was phenomenal. Um, Oh, that's awesome. What do you think would you characterize as the defining sort of uh, moment in your career to this point? What was the biggest thing you worked on? Because I can't imagine at this point, not that you're not yeah. going to be breaking something big, but you're not um, you're not impressed easily now. I mean, you know, yeah. you're not starstruck or anything, but I would imagine there had to be a turning point early in your career, like, wow, I've arrived. I, I don't. I, I guess I'm too. I'm from Braddock, so it's like I'm kind of humble. It's like <laughs> I don't know if you ever think that you arrive, but I think that uh, you know, once you got a chance to you know get on a, a beat, you know, like on the. I remember on the pit basketball beat, uh, I kind of uh, Tim Gergerich was the coach then, and then on all of a sudden he vanished for like about three and a half to four weeks. We didn't know where he was, and so you know you had to kind of weave through some things and write that story, and you know go to Bob Hill who was the filling in as a coach, and you know Tim just needed some time away just to. Uh, regroup and all that stuff and then mm-hmm. you know you go through these tricky stories and you know that's the the great part about the writing part of it i mean there's so many tricky stories and you know back when i was covering the steelers and all that i mean it really wasn't a full-time year-round sport because there right. wasn't free agency and so i would do things like either cover basketball or get on investigative reports and i remember uh, i broke a couple race fixing stories over at the uh, you know at the racetracks well, that had to make you nervous oh yeah, oh, yeah because you know, mm-hmm. what happens is you go into these real quiet areas and you don't know if you're going to come back out alive yeah you meet somebody, <laughs> it's like, oh boy meet me over here and you said uh jopa kicked you off that oh beat. yeah well after one year joe joe paterno kicked me off the beat at penn state because you were too good well, I don't know about two. Oh, you were they breaking stories. Breaking yeah. stories. Yeah, because I was, I was getting phone calls from all these people. You know, hi, I'm a barber here at uh, State College. And it's like, did you know that Giuseppe Harris just got kicked off the team? Make a few phone calls, confirm the story. Uh, did you know that Pietro Harris got kicked off the team? And this was a year where they went 7-4. and four. 
they went to the Liberty Bowl, and at the Liberty Bowl, and he even had to break this story, one of the players went over to some guy's, took a rental car, went over a guy's house and broke in, and the guy happened to be a gun collector. And so the police had to come over with him pointing the gun at the player, and then so I had to go down to the police station and get the report and stuff like that. I mean, it was just a crazy year. That was the year that uh, Joe Paterno was out there trying to uh, get into politics. Oh, I remember. And I was yeah. the one because we would have a off the record session, and I always honored off the record. I never broke off the record stuff. And so it was like, okay, we'd have these little get-togethers on Friday night, and I would ask. I said, Joe, are you really going to give up college football for politics? And he says, I'm not going to give up college football to the Barry Switzers and Joe uh, Jackie Sherrills of the world. And I, that happened twice. We, I did it once at State College and once down in Maryland. And uh, all of a sudden, somebody got word in that room to Jackie. So Pitt's playing Penn State. And what ends up happening is Jackie comes walking over to Joe before the game and says, well, uh, sorry, I'm ruining your political career. And Joe just got furious. So he probably thought I leaked it, and I never did. Right. Somebody else in the room did. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I think that was like the final straw. So John Troen, who was great as the editor of the Pittsburgh Press, was also a big Penn State supporter, said, uh, okay, well, we'll take uh, John off the beat, but we'll put him up back on the Steeler beat. There's no industry that is not completely different from what it was 30 years ago. But how is your industry, sports media, uh, mm. different for the better and What's worse about it now? Well, I mean, the better is now there's so many different avenues that you have because, I mean, you have podcasts, mm-hmm. you have, uh, you know, whether you could just write on the Internet. I mean, there's just so many more opportunities, which is great. And the information is so much better because, again, there's so much more stuff that's available. People the, seem to have an insatiable appetite for it now, too. Oh, yeah, no question. But now the tough part is it's changing so fast because a lot of it because of the millennials, because, you know, the millennials were able to do the things that we weren't. I was not able to do. I mean, I couldn't get cable on demand. You know, they can get cable on demand on the cell phone now. And so they're so smart about that. But it's changing the way that the medias are starting to do, because, again, the Nielsen ratings don't compare. They don't extract things that are that isn't on television. Mm-hmm. And so you see declining ratings, but you don't know for sure if it's a declining audience. And so because of that, there's such a a turnover of how things are going to be. I mean, you can see just from the way, you know, the cable is now starting to shrink as far as that goes. And then you can also see, you know, just the different ways to try to get to things. And so you have to kind of stay current on that stuff. But that's what the ever-changing thing is. That may be more of a negative, ultimately may, may, may be more of a positive. Do you think ESPN is now headed in the right direction? Have they kind of regrouped? And They're uh, regrouping. They're still in the process of getting there, and eventually they will because they've got such a great brand. Mm-hmm. And once they finally get the things totally streamed, then things are going to start to go so much better because mm-hmm. I think what they're uh, less than a year away from getting that done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can see they're already trying to maintain a I mean, they bought part of Fox to get more programming and that. So they're going to come out with a great brand like that. But until that happens, I mean, you know, it's not their fault that they're losing like 10,000 cable subscribers uh, a, a year because a month or a day. That's happening on a consistent basis to mm-hmm. everything. And so adjusting to that, because it's not just ESPN, it's just the whole cable industry. Mm-hmm. You know, that has to be uh, the thing that's a negative. But once they get the streaming stuff all lined up, then things are going to start really bouncing back in a positive way. How do you think? Uh, well, let me ask you this. Of all the stories that you've worked on through the years, I'm sure you've ruffled some feathers. Oh, yeah. Do people still hold grudges? Oh, yeah. Uh, like <laughs> after their careers are done? 
Oh, I'm yeah. sure guys from the 70s and 80s weren't playing anymore. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's uh, it's funny because I like real small stories like D'Angelo Williams. Remember him, the running back? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I saw I, I interviewed him on radio on ESPN radio. And he says, you know, by the way, I didn't like you for years. I said, really? It's like, why? He says, well, in my rookie year, uh, you went on the air and talked about me fumbling. I said, yeah, you fumbled. And he goes, yeah, you talked about me fumbling. and I'm not a fumbler. And so for four years, I hated you. I didn't like you at all. And they, and it's like, uh, then all of a sudden, you, I, I heard you say a couple things, and I thought, then maybe you're okay. And so that's why I did this show. I just wanted to tell you, I didn't like you for four years. That sounds like D'Angelo <laughs> yeah. Williams. Yeah. And so it, it was funny. And then I saw him <laughs> at the uh, Super Bowl. And so he kind of walked over and said, D'Angelo, how you doing? And so he was doing some streaming stuff and all that. And so he, he pulls me into his game show. So I guess we're okay. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike was shooting in the studio with us here. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, uh, relinquish. Go Michigan State. Well, next year we'll get them. Yeah. Uh, I just, you I'm say cu- that every year. I'm curious about your opinion in the NFL right now. What we saw in the playoffs, Minnesota had a really good defense and eventually got lit up. Yeah. Jacksonville had a really good defense. And Pittsburgh lit them up even though the Steelers lost that game. Uh, Philadelphia had a really good defense and got lit up in the Super Bowl, made one play. Mm-hmm. Are, are we now finally at the point, you know, this, it's been an, a league trending toward offense for a long time, but people always held on to that defense wins championships yeah. thing. Are we now at the point where you got to bludgeon them with offense? Yeah. I mean, it's been that way for really since 2001. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean you'd have, you'd have but, a Denver or Seattle yeah, they can be, come in you know, there. They, and, always say, they always say defenses win championships, and that's not the case. Quarterbacks win championships. Now, <laughs> the bad part is this year with the backup quarterbacks like Case Keenum and all those backups that have had success, everybody thinks, oh, yeah, you don't need a quarterback. No, you need a quarterback. The quarterback's the one who's going to get you the championship because what happens is if you've got a good defense – and the other team has a good defense, it's going to be the quarterback going back and forth in the fourth quarter that wins the big games. You know, and Nick Foles did an incredible job in a short period of time after being terrible in the early part of the fill-ins. But again, it's still a quarterback-driven league. And so you can see if you're going to have uh, bigger playoff games, there's not going to be as many penalties. There's going to be a little bit more offense. And because of that, you're going to have more scoring. And again, you know, like Bill Belichick apparently uh, forgot the fact that you're supposed to have some kind of a defense because, <laughs> you know, he traded away all his defensive playmakers like Chandler Jones and Jamie Collins. And I was wondering for like two years, when is that going to catch up to him? Caught up at the beginning of the season and definitely caught up to him during the playoffs in the Super Bowl because he just didn't have any playmakers. But that's been the case now really since uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady changed the game really into more of a quarterback-driven league. I mean, you know, it started back in the uh, 80s with uh, you know Bill Walsh in the West Coast offense, and then it proceeded once you know there was a downturn from when the '83 quarterbacks started getting old to a point where you get to late '90s and all the quarterbacks are old, and you know you have to go to NFL Europe to go get a, a new quarterback. But Peyton changed things. Tom Brady accelerated things. Ben came in with the 2004 class, and then it really became a quarterback-driven league. I mean, when you think about it, what since 2001. Uh, the, the only AFC teams that have won Super Bowls have either been either Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, and uh, you know uh, Joe Flacco. They're the only ones that have won Super Bowls, and you're talking now 15, 16 years from the AFC. The other thing from this year that I can't stop thinking about, New England did this for years. They had Tom Brady in a cast of whatever right. changing parts. <laughs> Philadelphia, not a lot of all pros on Philadelphia, but everybody can play. Yeah. Well, and, it, and what's amazing? Well, did they show people a different way to build a roster? In other words, you don't have 
eight or ten guys that you're paying a zillion dollars to, and everybody else is bottom of the barrel. Well, no, they they actually try have, to even it they, out. No, they, they they have they lead the league with fifteen players making more than sixteen million six million a year. I mean, they've got more high-paid guys than just about anybody. I mean, Fletcher Cox is you know, one of the highest-paid defensive linemen in the league, and you know they didn't have to pay a quarterback because they drafted Carson Wentz. But what they, what happened is two things went brilliant. I mean, Howie Roseman started cleaning up all the mess that Chip Kelly had with the cap and the sign. Because I remember I went to their training camp at the beginning of the 2016 season, and I'm looking at their team, and I thought, man, this team has great starters. Then I looked at the backups, and I said, they're terrible. They have no backups, none. Well, Howie Roseman went out, and he started loading up the backups. You know, The brilliant play calling of Doug Peterson, and again, he did this with a phenomenal staff because Frank Reich was there and John Filippo was there. I mean, he just had a smart room that was outsmarting everybody on the field with his play calling. So you have the combination of a, a better team that Howie Roseman put together. I remember, you're picking up Jay Ajayi, in the middle of the uh, right before the trade deadline, and he comes in. And it was a great running back for them, and so they just kept on adding and adding and adding. And then Doug Peterson did such a great job of uh, play calling that it all clicked. And you know the imagination. I mean, he and Sean McVay basically you know gave the trend of what you need to have it to. If you're a new team, you need a good offensive coaching group and a good young quarterback to be able to build from. And both those teams had both. And that's how you overcome losing your starting quarterback. That's supposed to be a deal-breaker. Your left tackle, that's supposed to be a deal-breaker. Yep. Your best linebacker, that can be a deal-breaker. Your kicker, it didn't seem to matter. Your return they, guy. Yeah. yeah. didn't but, seem to matter what they didn't have. No, but then but then that was Howie Roseman that made the move to get Nick Foles back from uh, – and at, and they work with him, and they did such a great job, at least in the playoffs, of getting him through there. And so that made uh, – again, the play calling was incredible. John Clayton, ESPN Tonight, Point Park University, the Talkback Series, 7 p.m. Tickets online at PittsburghPlayhouse.com. And is there going to be like a Q&A with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. Is it going to be moderated at all? Bob Pompiani is going to be doing the moderation. Ah, Pop, of course right. he is. Unbelievable. And by the way, present military and if that's free tickets. Oh, that's great. Yeah, for anybody that can come over for free tickets – 412-392-8000. Please give a call. But if you're in the military, past or present, we want you there. John Clayton, ESPN, PittsburghPlayhouse.com. Be prepared to answer a lot of questions about good. Mike Tomlin tonight. You know what, John? <laughs> I got a question. <laughs> That's tonight. PittsburghPlayhouse.com. Hey, man, it was uh, great to talk with you. Thanks for hey, making thanks. it in here today. All right, Val's got your news next. We ran a little bit over because uh, the professor's here for crying out loud. We're going to do Quick break. We'll be right back. Stevie.